Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen, and we're broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. Now remember, folks, you can keep up with us on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And also subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and TuneIn, and just about anywhere else that you're going to get your podcast at. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. And last but not least, make sure that you do stop by RadioIslam.com for behind-the-scenes info, stuff that you're only going to get at RadioIslam.com. Uh, guest bios, pictures, and just information that's going to help you to stay up to date with the Radio Islam family. So that being said, let's jump into today's program. In this first segment, we're going to go outside of the U.S. and we're going to look at a humanitarian as well as a political uh, crisis, upheaval that is going on in Venezuela, where we have Nicolas Maduro and Juan Guaido both laying claims to the presidency. Maduro has the support of the Venezuelan military, as well as China and Russia. Guiado, however, has the support of the opposition party, as well as the United States and uh, a number of other Latin American countries. To help us to get a better picture of what is going on, our guest is Dr. Ches Thurber. He is an assistant professor in the Department of Political Science at Northern Illinois University whose research and teaching focus on international security, conflict, and governance. His research examines the range of contentious global politics from nonviolent resistance movements to interstate war. We are pleased to welcome him again to the program. How are you, Dr. Thurber? It's good to have you back. Thank you. So good to be back. Yeah, so where do we start? Um, if we're looking at, um, I guess, the... The, the roots are the roots of the the strife that's going on right now. Uh, what's come up is uh, there's a lot of talk about regime uh, regime change. Um, we've got Maduro, who has who has claimed the presidency. Uh, he is backed by uh, most of the senior um, senior officials, military officials, and of course, um, and we have China and Russia as one of his uh, backers. And we also have in the other corner, um, we have a United States backed um, uh, individual who has taken on the title of interim, um, interim president. Where, where how, how legitimate is regime change under these types of uh, circumstances? Yeah, I think that's uh, an apt description uh, of what's going on. In terms of your question of where do we start, I think the first thing to acknowledge is just the incredible humanitarian crisis that has unfolded in Venezuela over the past three or four years, a combination of mismanagement by the government and also the collapse of global oil prices upon which the Venezuelan economy was extremely dependent. Um, we've seen poverty rates go through the roof at something like 90% of Venezuelans now live below global poverty thresholds. Mm -hmm. Inflation has gone up 80,000%, just incredible humanitarian suffering. And so as you can imagine with that kind of economic crisis that is translated into political turmoil as well, um, exactly as, as you described, 
uh, with Nicolas Maduro, the incumbent president uh, who held elections last year, was reelected, though those elections were widely perceived to be fraudulent. Uh, last month, he, uh, he was re-inaugurated. Um, but as you said, uh, the leader of the opposition of the National Assembly, kind of their parliament in Venezuela, Juan Guiado, uh, declared himself to be the legitimate interim president uh, and has set up a sort of uh, shadow government. And uh, other states around the world have taken sides with Russia, Turkey, China, uh, acknowledging backing the government of the incumbent president, Nicolas Maduro, the United States, Canada, Great Britain, and most of the other countries in Latin America uh, acknowledging Juan Guiado, the uh, National Assembly opposition leader, as the legitimate president of Venezuela. Mm. Now, as you mentioned, the real losers right now um, and are the actual are the people um, who have to sit through this, you know, this this contention. And of course, they're looking for uh, they're looking for some stability. They're looking for economic relief and human, you know, and humanitarian relief. Um, but how effective is the the policy uh, is, is U.S. foreign policy? How effective is that going to be in actually bringing about the uh, the changes that the Venezuelan people are looking for and in need of? It's to, it's to be determined. Uh, the United States has taken a number of interesting moves in response to this crisis, uh, reflective, I think, of some relatively recent uh, new personalities uh, in the Trump administration. Uh, but the United States was quick to acknowledge Guiado, the opposition leader, as the uh, legitimately uh, head, of, head of state of Venezuela. Not alone in that, as I mentioned. Most of the other countries in Latin America have chosen to back the opposition leader, uh, the United Kingdom, Canada as well. Mm. Other countries have uh, have chosen to back uh, Maduro, and others still, such as those in Europe, have called for some type of reconciliation. In addition to that, the United States has taken the step of imposing sanctions on uh, the big national oil company in, in Venezuela. Right. Uh, for those of us in the United States, if you go to a Sitgo gas station, that's a subsidiary of the Venezuelan uh, national oil company. Uh, and that could have real consequences. It means that so, uh, Venezuela is selling the, uh, the oil, but uh, buyers in the United States are not paying Venezuela back. Those bank accounts are frozen. The United States says that it, what, what it wants to do is to keep the funds in those bank accounts and find some way to, to put those funds in the hands of the, the opposition leader. I think what the United States is hoping to do is to uh, inflict some economic pain on elites within Venezuela in the hopes that they turn against Maduro and support Riado. Talking kind of high-level military leaders decide that, hey, this isn't profitable enough for, for us anymore. We'll be better off if we back Riado and those funds are unfrozen. Uh, and you know, given that there's quite a bit of corruption going on in, in Venezuela, uh, they might expect some of those funds to, to get pushed back in, in their direction. But there's a very real risk that this could do just the opposite and backfire. Uh, Maduro, uh, his predecessor, Hugo Chavez, have benefited politically whenever the U.S. has tried to intervene in Venezuela uh, because those interventions have been seen by the Venezuelan people as illegitimate. They don't want their politics to be dictated to them by the United States. And so Maduro, and like Chavez before him, has been able to rally Venezuelan nationalism, anti-U.S. sentiment, 
in, in support of their uh, of their political rule. Are we seeing a, a similar response to that today uh, with the backing of Guiado by the, the United States? Are, are people, are Venezuelans looking at this once again as kind of uh, the typical U.S. Uh, subversion of, 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 their, of their government? You know, I think it's too, uh, it, it's too early to tell at this point, uh, but that's a, a, a real possibility. I think, as you said before, probably the number one thing that Venezuelans care about uh, at this point is who can lead the country in a more promising direction economically. How can we end this, uh, this turmoil? Hmm. Now, I recall, I think it was last week, uh, President Trump made a statement, uh, s- something regarding uh, socialism. As a matter of fact, I think it was, it was t- something to the effect of the United States will never be a socialist uh, country. Uh, and the backdrop, I believe, was Venezuela. Uh, I think that that may have been where that came out of. But seeing as how um, the oil industry is a state-owned, um, uh, state-operated, state-owned uh, industry, and the impact of um, uh, of sanctions on oil and how it's lowering lowering oil prices, uh, is you is the United States? Are these? Do we see two different? Um, efforts going on, one in terms of uh, of showing maybe the uh, the weaknesses or deficiencies of, of socialism in action um, while at the same time offering uh, humanitarian aid, I guess, to sort of balance out the, uh, the crippling effects of their policies uh, towards Venezuela's oil, oil industry. Yeah, I think the nature of Venezuela's dependency on its oil wealth is probably the best way of thinking about how it got to the position that it's in today. Uh, The part of that that President Trump certainly has gotten right uh, in his description is that there has been an incredible amount of mismanagement of the Venezuelan uh, economy. Uh, But in that sense, it has followed a path that is uh, tragically similar to other states that have been blessed or some would argue cursed Mm -hmm. with a tremendous amount of oil resources. Uh, it gives you a lot of money potentially at your, dispo- at your disposal, but it's also been uh, very difficult for countries that rely so much on oil wealth uh, to get other industries off the ground that can employ their local populations. Mm. Uh, in addition, uh, they've become then dependent on that oil wealth to do things like provide social services and develop political regimes that kind of rely on this idea of paying off different constituencies, doling out that oil money in order to build support. And this is exactly the kind of political regime uh, that Hugo Chavez had constructed quite effectively with the benefit of really high oil prices uh, in the late 1990s, early 2000s. He was a hero to many of the people of Venezuela uh, because he was able to deliver so many social services to the poor on the backs of this oil revenue. Then he dies uh, in 2013, uh, and Nicolas Maduro takes over, and really bad timing for Nicolas Maduro. Uh, not only does he come in without the track record that Hugo Chavez does, without that kind of big, brash personality that Hugo Chavez had, um, but he, he's, a, he, he's the new guy trying to fill these big sho- shoes, and then the price of oil just plummets. And so he no longer has this huge amount of money in which to maintain the social service 
level of social service provision that was the backbone of both the Venezuelan economy uh, as well as the the political regime. Mm. Now, um, speaking of uh, Chavez, so he had, uh, you know, he had history, you know, uh, of, of military service. Uh, and that also translated into cultivating uh, a, a very strong relationship with the military that Maduro has uh, seems to have been able to continue to benefit from. Do you think that that relationship uh, between him and the military is going to be uh, strained? Uh, do you see him being able to move forward with that? Because that, that seems to be one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest um, supports for him to be able to lay claim uh, to the presidency, even though I think there's one there was an Air Force general, the commander of the Air Force that is um, uh, now uh, sided with uh, Guiado. Yeah, so far it looks like most of the military has uh, has been with Maduro up until this point. And it looks like the strategy of the United States in trying to get rid of Maduro, uh, to put uh, Guiado in in his place has been to see if you can foment some types of di- some type of division with the mili- within the military, such that mi- military leaders decide uh, that they're gonna they're gonna jump uh, jump ship and make the the switch as well. And I, I think that's kind of the rationale behind this oil sanctions policy is to cut off some of the money that's going into Venezuela that Maduro is still using to shore up uh, that political support. Uh, in the hopes that that will create incentives, financial incentives, for military leaders to defect and switch sides. Mm. Mm. Well, let, me, let me go back to the uh, to the oil um, uh, point again. Um, does do you think the U.S. is really looking for a regime that is going to offer cheap oil, or is that an oversimplification? Oil is always a very big foreign policy interest of the United States. But when I look at the decision-making going on in Washington uh, about the Venezuela crisis today, at least in the short term, I think it's more about ideology, socialism, as you mentioned, uh, than it is about oil at this point. Mm-hmm. Putting sanctions on Venezuela, as it's doing right now, uh, isn't helpful to the United States. Uh, Oil price, global oil prices rose a little bit in response to it. So Americans might notice it in like a small, you know, paying a little bit more at the pump for, for oil. I don't think it's had, uh, I don't think it has, and I don't think it's going to have a, a huge impact. But still, the, the short-term oil impact is kind of in the wrong direction for the United States. And the other thing that we expect Venezuela to do is to sell less oil to the United States and to try to sell more to China and other countries who will benefit, who will be able to get that oil uh, at a lower price. So from an oil politics perspective, uh, the things that the United States has done so far, at least in the short term, aren't hugely beneficial to uh, U.S. interests. Mm. But you have in uh, John Bolton, the uh, national security advisor, and Elliot Abrams, uh, who was someone that John Bolton uh appointed to, uh, to work for him specifically on the issue of Venezuela, who has a long track record of working on Latin American issues in Republican administrations. Uh, they've been involved for years in, in these fights in Latin America between socialist uh, regimes and their opponents, always on the side of in support of the opponents to uh, the, the socialist regimes. Uh, and so I think that uh, 
that I, uh, ideological component has probably uh, informed U.S. policy uh, to quite a degree. The other issue is that with this, what is a, a real humanitarian uh, crisis, uh, one of the ways Venezuelans have responded has have been to to exit, to flee the country. An estimated about 10% of the population has fled Venezuela. And so with this administration's concern about migration flows in Latin America, um, that is a problem that they are uh, looking to try to, to limit to the, the greatest degree that they can as well. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I was looking um, – and uh, the stats between or immigration stats between 2016 and 2017 uh, list a 21% increase of Venezuelan immigrants to the U.S., uh, mostly going to Florida, Texas, and California. Uh, and that being said, in light of the uh, current administration's, uh, I guess the well disdain is I don't think disdain is too hard a word, uh, but yeah, there's a, a disdain for immigration. Um, and well, at least with, with, regard, with regard to uh, folks that are coming from Central America, uh, Mexico, um, but there's is not that immigration is not or that migration is not being met with any type of uh, there's no sympathy. Right. So there's not a there's no legal stat, uh, status. You know, I don't think Venezuela is not one of those nations that uh, enjoys a temporary protective status. Um, and I think this. For me, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. For me, this really it, it goes counter to the idea of, uh, of 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 putting sanctions on a nation that are going to cause that type of economic distress, and then result in uh, a flood of people, you know, uh, an exodus. But then to say, well, we don't we don't want you here, right? And I think the whole idea is that if we're looking to uh, impact, at least at least as far as they're saying that you want to have strong government, strong economies uh, to kind of stave off, um, you know, that, that migration. So there, there, there seems to be a bit of hypocrisy there, right? It's like two different um, kind of talking out of both sides of, uh, of their mouth, uh, so to speak. Yeah, we, uh, we have seen administration officials talk in depth about the humanitarian crisis in, in Venezuela uh, in support of these efforts to use uh, kind of coercive means, sanctions, uh, to try to change the politics on the ground there. But those words don't seem to carry over when we're talking about uh, immigration and refugee policies uh, to address the people who are, are suffering. Uh, we've seen that in, in Latin America as well, where the administration uh, has uh, threatened uh, to the same idea of, of using sanctions, of putting political pressure on the regimes to do what they can to fix things, to stop the outflow of migrants uh, in, in Central America as well as uh, Venezuela, um, that, that is matched not with a uh, compassionate or, or welcoming immigration policy, uh, but one of trying to restrict it as much as possible. Mm. Well, let me ask you this uh, question, uh, Dr. Thurber. How does OPEC fit into all of this, uh, seeing that oil is a central component to this, to this uh, United States foreign policy? Yeah, Venezuela is one of the founding uh, members of OPEC. Uh, I, they, I don't think they have as much uh, kind of leverage within the OPEC decision-making uh, as they've had before. I mean, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, who really uh, holds most of the power within OPEC, given their ability to 
to vary their production uh, of oil so to a much greater extent than any of, uh, of its other members. Um, Saudi Arabia, when it comes to oil, has done more or less what the United States has wanted it to do uh, in that as oil prices have gone down, uh, they have not cut back on production in a way that would uh, allow them to, to creep back up. And so, sure, I bet Venezuela would love uh, Saudi Arabia to uh, cut down on production so that oil prices would increase, and that would uh, help their economic situation quite a bit. Uh, but so far, Saudi Arabia has uh, not been willing to, to use OPEC uh, to a large degree to boost oil prices around the world. They've been happy to, to sell America oil at, uh, or sell the world oil uh, at pretty low prices. Hmm. Mm. Well, and, and that also is in alignment with uh, with the relationship that um, uh, the United States and Saudi that they that they have had for uh, decades. So uh, I don't think mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's really surprised that they're siding with the U.S. or at least not, um, you know, not taking Venezuela's uh, situation into consideration. So, uh, Dr. Thurber, we thank you very much for uh, taking the, t- uh, the time to talk with us about this. Um, is there you have any, any closing thoughts on on what we're looking at right now? Because uh, I know I started out with the with the political climate, but most important, the most important thing here. And I'm glad you started off with that was the humanitarian uh, crisis, the humanitarian toll uh, that this is taking. Uh, do you see any what's the resolution that you see? Um, do you think there are going to be new elections? Um, you know, yeah. What, what's, your, what's your gut feeling? Uh, what's your analysis on that? This is going to come uh, as very unsatisfying, but I really don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I can see convincing uh, arguments uh, on either side. Uh, I guess I would say that to this point, Maduro has... Uh, has been surprisingly resilient to this point, and we have not seen the kinds of cracks within the military that you would expect to see uh, if if they were going to switch sides and and, and support the opposition. Uh, so I, I guess if I were to put to, to put money, it would probably be on the the Maduro regime. Um, but this has been a sustained challenge. We've seen protests going on uh, in Venezuela for about. Uh, I think over four years now, uh, a highly organized opposition with a strong degree of, of international support. Um, it, it's going to be interesting, uh, but the, yeah, the one thing that we can hope for is a, some type of resolution that allows the a Venezuelan economy to, to get back in, on track and provide some, some type of relief for the, the civilian population in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. You know what, you mentioned opposition. And I was going to close with that, but I have to follow, give you a, a, a short follow-up question on that. Do you think that because um, some are looking at uh, the opposition uh, and saying that there is a uh, that there are some breaks, you know, in the ranks, um, as uh, mm-hmm. demonstrated, um, I think I can't recall which election it was. I don't feel I don't know if it was the last one, but there were I think four governors that were elected that now there was one governor who did not take um who did not take the oath of office under the uh under maduro's party uh you know in in protest and the other four uh governors from the opposition party think they did right 
And because of that lack of or perceived lack of cohesion, uh, that that is seen as a as a plus for Maduro, that maybe the opposition is not as uh, as unified as um, maybe outsiders would like to think that they are. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I think first of all, it's a valuable way of analyzing the conflict is to think about uh, who, who has who has the more cohesive uh, alliance. Is it Maduro and his elites and allies within the regime, or is it amongst the opposition? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say, to this point, the opposition has suffered quite a bit from uh, diverse interests since the beginning of the year, or I guess I'd say since the re-election of Maduro, since he was uh, seems to have played his cards pretty well in 2018, mm-hmm. uh, the opposition appears to have gotten their acts together, at least so far in 2019, of having kind of rallied around Guiado as this kind of singular uh, figure for now, coming up with this interpretation of the Constitution that in theory justifies his taking on the role as interim president, creating the shadow government, actually appointing diplomats to uh, to foreign countries, and having a, a substantial number of foreign countries recognize him as the legitimate head of state. Um, we'll see how long it lasts, but uh, th- this seems to be uh, an interesting turn in the conflict uh, that could strengthen the hand of the opposition. Uh, but again, who, who knows how long that will that will last. Mm. Well, Dr. Thurber, once again, we appreciate you for giving us some uh, perspective and insight on a situation that we hope resolves itself, especially for the benefit of the Venezuelan people, first and foremost. So thank you. Thank you once again. Thank you. It's my pleasure. All right. Take care. All right, folks, that was Dr. Ches Thurber, assistant professor in the Department of Political Science at Northern Illinois University. We're going to take a short break, but we will be back in a moment. This is Radio Islam on WCEV 1450 AM.